Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and uh, I was gone last week on vacation. I am back now, and uh, I'm refreshed excited to be here. I find myself, whenever I am away, um, wondering on Sunday mornings what is happening here. And I know that it's always in good hands. We have such a great team of uh, leaders. Our staff, our ministry team do such a wonderful job. And our dream team, every person who volunteers and serves on teams around here in the church, uh, you guys all do such an incredible job that I know that I can just go and relax. And I thank you for that opportunity that I can go away with my family. We had a good time, but I do find myself every Sunday that I'm gone always thinking about and like wishing that it was a way for me to be able to like participate with you. Um, so, but it is so good to be back with you because I love when I come home, some of my most favorite messages to preach are the ones that I get to preach after I get home because I miss it. I love standing up here and sharing with you uh, what I feel like God has put on my heart from his word. Uh, today we are going to be continuing in our summer-long message series called Created. If you're new to this, we have been going through the entire book of Genesis all throughout the summer. We're kind of getting closer to the end now. We've just got a few more weeks of that. Um, but we're basically taking a journey all the way from Genesis 1 all the way through Genesis 50 and learning who God is and what he is revealing to us as people and who are we and how do we relate to him and what is he trying to say. And so there's these themes that have been going throughout God's faithfulness in despite of humanity and our uh, constant faithlessness and God's faithfulness in contrast to that. We see God's promise. We see his blessing and his command to bless other people and to be blessed and to bless other people through us. We have a couple goals that I want to make sure that we're highlighting every once in a while why we're doing this. The first one is that we want a stronger understanding of the origins of biblical concepts. If you've been following along all throughout the first, I think, eight or nine weeks, you've probably been seeing that there are hints of theology that we talk about from Jesus or that the apostles wrote about in the epistles, the letters in the New Testament. We see the beginnings of those, the, the shadows or the seeds of those theologies in the book of Genesis uh, all throughout that we've been do it so we see the beginnings and the origins of those. Number two, we want to get a clearer picture of who God is and what He is like. And I think we have seen some of His strongest characteristics on display in the book of Genesis. And then finally, we want to understand how we can relate to them. So, so far, we have gone from Adam and Eve all the way through Noah into uh, Abraham, and then his son Isaac, and then his sons Jacob and Esau. And so last week, Pastor Aaron uh, read out of Genesis 26 through 28 about Jacob and Esau. And this is a story, ultimately, of God's reaffirmed promise that began with Abraham, right? He met Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, and I'm going to bless the entire world through you. And so what we see is that was extended to his son Isaac and then through his son Jacob. But the story of Jacob and Esau was one of deception, right? In fact, Jacob's name literally means deceiver. Okay, so we see that throughout the whole story, that the story of deception and manipulation, but ultimately, once again, what do we see? God's faithfulness despite our failings, despite humanity's mess-ups and God's faithful nature. The thread of God holding true to his word to Abraham 
and to his son Isaac, and even to Jacob, despite the deception, manipulation, shortcomings, and failings of man. And we see that. We get ourselves into trouble. We saw that last week, that trouble ultimately will ensue from our decisions, and yet God still meets us and God still changes us. And so this week, today, we're going to continue the story of Jacob. We're going to see the other half of it. We're actually going to be reading out of Genesis 35 today. And so we're going to be kind of summarizing real briefly up to Genesis 35. And then I believe that we're going to read through Genesis 35, and we're going to find several key points that are going to really speak to us today. I believe that God has something powerful for us today. And so the title of today's message is Jacob's Legacy. Jacob's Legacy. I believe that what matters most is not all of the little choices, but ultimately what you leave behind. And ultimately, beyond that, what you are known for. The Bible does not teach that, that you are held accountable forever for one thing. Even some of the greatest men in the Bible, the greatest females, men and women in the Bible, who are known for incredible things, all of them have shortcomings and failings. We see Moses. Moses was a great, powerful man of God, and he is known for that, even though he was a murderer. We see King David, who was known as a man after God's own heart, and yet he was an adulterer. And so what I want you to see today is Jacob. Even though last week we learned about his deception, his manipulation, his conniving little brattiness, right, that we see from him, that is not ultimately what we know him as. So we're going to talk today about Jacob's legacy. But a lot has happened since we last saw Jacob. When we saw him last, he was fleeing from his brother. So if you remember from last week, Jacob and Esau, uh, Jacob decided to steal his brother's blessing. He dressed up, you know, to kind of make him look like he was his brother and essentially um, took his father's blessing. And because of that, his brother Esau was so angry that he ended up having to flee. Jacob left home and ran away from home in order to keep his life. He, he was probably going to be killed. And so he's running away, and God meets him in a place called Bethel. Well, that's where we left Jacob. What happened to him since then that takes us up to Genesis 35? Well, Jacob flees further past Bethel and goes to a land called Paddan Aram, which is not really that important for you to know. But essentially, he goes there and finds his uncle's family uh, and he, his uncle Laban. And he goes and he lives with his family for 14 years, stays there, works for him, uh, essentially working his cattle, uh, raising the sheep and uh, the goats and, and, you know, tending to their pasture land and, and all of that. And he ends up falling in love with one of his daughters. In fact, he ends up marrying two of his uncle's daughters. Now, this probably sounds really weird to you. You know, as like modern, civilized individuals, we don't really think about marrying our cousins very often. In fact, anybody that we know who has ever done that or people who we think about do that are usually the butt of jokes in, in more, maybe more rural locations. And it's not, you know, negative connotations. Well, it's very common in the Old Testament, partly because of population was so small. And that's really you only had a certain number of individuals to be able to, to grow the population with. So it was acceptable. And then the other side of it was is because you wanted to stay within your family groups in order to continue your tribe and your group going on. So when it says that an individual married uh, the, the daughter of an uncle, uh, it was not considered at this time to be a problem. So Jacob goes to his uncle's uh, family far away from his home to flee from his brother Esau and begins to build a new life. He actually marries both of the daughters of his uncle, and then over 14 years he labors. And the problem is, is that throughout that entire time, 
things weren't going very well for Jacob at first because his uncle began to manipulate. We see this over and over again, right? They just treated each other like poop, like all the time. That's what people did. So Laban begins to say, hey, you want to marry my daughter? You can work for me for seven years. So he faithfully, Jacob begins to work for seven years, and then he changes the rules on him, changes his wages. He changes the rules of how he's going to marry this particular daughter. He gives him a different daughter instead, and so he works for another seven years. And so throughout this process of 14 years, poor Jacob is working hard. He's doing what is asked of him, but his wages are being changed. He's being manipulated. He's being undercut every time. But all throughout it, we see Jacob becoming the man that we know him as instead of the man that he was in the beginning. In the beginning, we saw Jacob as a conniving brat, as someone who was, who was deceptive, who wanted something that wasn't his. But over the time, throughout the 14 years, we see him working hard. We see him being faithful. We see him as dedication. And he's willing to put the work and the time in for something that is worth it. And God begins to bless him. We see that throughout these passages that, that Jacob begins to acquire more and more of the sheep and more of the goats. And it's important for us to understand that during this time, there wasn't really any money. Money was your possession. So the more sheep, the more cattle you had, the more rich you were. So the, the scriptures begin teaching, uh, showing a point that as the 14 years go by, Jacob is now acquiring more and more of the cattle, more and more of the pastures, and his uncle is getting less and less of them. And not only the less numerically, but less physically. The sheep and the goats were, were malnourished on the other side, and Jacob's were strong and they were healthy. And so we see this, that, that Jacob is laboring and working for 14 years. Well, Jacob ends up marrying two other women in addition. I can't even, all these guys marrying all these ladies. Jacob ends up marrying two other women and having children with them at all. And total, he has 12 kids. 12 children, in fact. And all throughout this time, he was working and staying faithful. And he trusted God. And God began to bless him, as I said a moment ago. So Jacob eventually takes his family, all of his sheep, and eventually leaves and says, I think it's time for me to go back home and to return home and to see my dad because I think he's probably getting pretty old now and I, I want to try to at least go back to where I'm from. And so he takes his whole family and picks them all up. And I mean, this is not an easy undertaking. Hundreds and hundreds of sheep and goats and, and his family and his children and all of the, 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 the workers and the slaves and all the people, all the things that they had acquired and moving them back hundreds of miles. So he and his family leave and eventually travel back to his father and mother, Isaac and Rebekah. And along the way, Jacob is now confronted with his brother Esau. Now, if I'm Jacob, I'm thinking to myself, this is it. I wronged my brother, and uh, we're going to have a battle here. And I'm either going to have to kill my brother, or he's going to kill me. Jacob, at this point, had become powerful, and so had Esau. Esau, over the last 14 years, had become wealthy himself, had become strong. And so he meets him, and Jacob's thought is that he's going to have to now fight to get back home and have to go through his brother. But something changed in Esau. Somehow, time perhaps healed. We don't really know. It doesn't say. Esau says what's happened in the past is done. You're my brother and I love you. And they meet in the middle and they hug and they have dinner together and their families share with each other and they're actually able to leave peacefully. It's this really interesting moment, which is different than so many other passages that we've seen up to this point, that people are beginning to act differently now. I believe that in some ways you see God has been showing himself as different 
throughout this process, showing a contrast between our natural humanity and our natural sinful nature. And God says, no, this is how I should do it, how you should do it. And every once in a while, we see glimpses of humanity actually acting in those ways. And what we see in Esau is a picture of that, of God's forgiveness and mercy being shown first rather than as a secondary thought. It's this beautiful moment. So all of that happens. And Jacob is now free to begin returning home. So we're going to pick up our story here in Genesis 35. Heading home, we pick up the story, and we'll see right away that God is very much involved in Jacob's life, and he's very receptive to it. We're going to see what happens now as Jacob begins traveling home. Genesis chapter 35 is where we're going to begin reading. Verse 1, God said to Jacob, get up, go to Bethel, and settle there. Now, you'll remember that Bethel was the place where he first met God in the first place. Jacob, the last time that this happened, that he was here, he was fleeing because his brother was about to kill him. He was so frustrated with him. He's fleeing, and God met him. He said, go back to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Now, the first thing that we can see right away is that God emphasizes the importance of remembering. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you want to take notes, every week we have uh, encounter journals out at the Connection Center for you. Please go grab one and begin to take notes each week. And this is such a great place for you to be able to see how God speaks consistently in your life week after week. I encourage you to take notes. The first one is that God emphasizes the importance of remembering. He tells him, go back to the place that I met you the first time and build an altar there. Why? Because an altar was designed to to be a place of remembering. Remember what I did for you, he's saying. Remember who I am. Remember what I've spoken to you. Remember how I've been faithful to you. Remember how I've blessed you. And I believe that God is painting a picture not just for Jacob, but for us today in the same space. It's so important for us to remember the importance of remembering who God is. I mentioned earlier today in our our pre-service prayer and worship time, and even I think at the end of our worship moment, that some of us may be in a place right now where we're up against it. Or we're, we're afraid of what's coming. We don't know what we're going to find when we return to the place that God is calling us to. Or maybe God's spoken something over your life or there's a promise that you're believing for. Or there's a problem that you're dealing with. Whatever it might be. It's so important for us to remember that what God has already done. Because when we do, it begins to give us strength and fuel for what he's calling for next. And this is something that's, I think that that's why God told Jacob, I'm sending you back to the place that I first met you. And when you do get there, build an altar and remember who I am. Because that's going to set you up for what I have next for you. And so right away we see in Genesis 35 the importance of remembering. Remembering his instructions, his blessings. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his promises. So what happens? So verse 2, so Jacob said to his family and all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. We must get up and go to Bethel. I will build an altar there, because God told me to, and and who answered me in my day of distress. He has been with me everywhere I go. So what do we learn from this? Well, we see that God first said to him the importance of remembering The second piece is our part in the puzzle, which is that Jacob illustrates the importance of responding appropriately. God spoke something, but now we have a part to play. God said, go to Bethel and build an altar. And what did Jacob say? Jacob said, wow, 
I have heard from the God who rescued me, the one who's been faithful to me, the one who over the last 14, 15 years has increased me, has helped me grow, has protected me, has taken care of me, has guided me, who's made me into the man that I am today. He wants me to remember him. There is only one response. He looks at his family. He does an internal inventory of his life, and he says, we have to get ourselves right. God wants something more for my family. God wants something better for us. He has a promise for us on the other side here, but in order for us to get there, we need to purify ourselves. We need to take away anything that keeps us from God. What does it say? It says he tells his family to get rid of their foreign gods and to purify themselves and to change their clothes. This is things like distractions. It could be old habits. It could be old lifestyles, ways of thinking, anything. When God speaks to us, It's important for us to then respond appropriately by taking an inventory inside and saying, are there things that are going to keep me from getting to the place that God wants me to go? And this is where many of us get stuck, is that we hear God speak something, a word of of encouragement, a word of life, a promise, maybe a dream or instructions for the future, something that he has for us. And we go, that's great. I get so excited about it because when God speaks, it brings life, right? It brings energy. But then we don't take an inventory of our lives. We don't consider our habits. We don't consider our mindsets. We don't consider our our lifestyle or the way that we think, the patterns of speech or the things that we do or the things that we take in, you know? We don't think about that, and we walk down the road expecting that God is going to honor that promise or that God is going to, to fulfill that thing, but we didn't do our part, which is preparing ourselves for that road ahead or to to make sure that we're ready for it. Jacob, in this moment, recognizes that that the person who is supposed to arrive in the promised space has to be different than the Jacob that began. That when God spoke to him, God was not saying, I want you exactly as you are, but I want you for who you should be. More on that in a minute. But Jacob was illustrating the importance of responding appropriately. You see, God deserves our full attention. And an undivided heart. Are there things in our lives? And this is stepping on me today. Are there things in my life, habits, thought processes, maybe things that I participate in, music, TV shows, I don't know, whatever it could be, food that I eat, I don't, whatever it might be. Are there things that are keeping me from God, that are in place of Him, that have a priority, a greater priority in my life than Him in my space, that could separate me or you from the things that God is promising or God desires for us. What things are there? And are we willing to change our clothes, to purify ourselves, to remove those things so that we can come to God and with a pure place? Are we doing that? Verse 4 continues, Then, so they gave Jacob all their foreign gods and their earrings. I think it's interesting that earrings. Don't worry, we're not telling everybody to get rid of their earrings. This had relation specifically to the religions of the time, okay? And Jacob hid them under the oak near Shechem. In other words, he buried them, put them away, gone, out of my sight. And this is interesting. Watch what happens. Verse 5, when they set out, after they did it, a terror from God came over the cities around them, and they did not pursue Jacob's sons. This is small, but so incredibly important to understand. What was happening is that they were going through the heart of enemy territory. They were walking through it. 
God said, go to that place. And in order to get there, they had to go through obstacles of people who would want to attack them, people who were going to want to kill them, people who would want to steal all their possessions, people who would want to take everything from them. And what happened is that when Jacob heard from God, he said, this is what I'm supposed to do, and my family needs to get there. We need to purify ourselves. They were obedient to Jacob, which ultimately meant they were obedient to God. They purified themselves. They made themselves ready. And then what does it say? It says that as they went after they were obedient, God went before them and no one was able to attack them. This is important. If you're taking notes, write this down. Dedication and obedience ensures God's protection. If you find yourself in a place right now where you are like, I feel like I'm getting a hit from all sides and I feel like God is not showing up, I'm not saying to you that it is merit-based, but I would say again to you, I believe that the situation would be different. If his family, if Jacob had said to them, purify yourselves, make yourselves right before God, and they said, no way, man, I like these gods and I like my earrings, I have a feeling that we would not have seen that last part of the scripture verse. That God's protection would not have been upon them and that the terror of God would not have gone before them and that they probably would have come up against many greater obstacles. Now, I am not saying that God is vindictive. What I'm saying is, is that when we align ourselves with God's principles, when we do our best to place ourselves in our heart, in a space, in a position to honor him, to put him first, to get rid of the things that are, pure, that are depurifying, that dirty our souls, that keep us from him, when we take all of those things off, then we stand underneath him and follow in step with him, we will find his favor, we will find his blessing, we will find his provision and his protection over our lives. That's what we're seeing here, is that their dedication to God and to his word and their obedience in that space is what allowed them to walk forward, knowing that even though they were in the middle of enemy territory, that they kept all of their possessions, that everything was there for them, and that no one pursued them. That's what we're seeing here, is that Jacob heard a promise from God, responded effectively, responded appropriately, cleaned out his life, and walked in faith knowing that God would protect them, and he did. Dedication and obedience ensures God's protection. Verse 6, so Jacob and all who were with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan, Jacob built an altar there and called the place El Bethel. El is the word for God, right? So the word of Bethel literally means house of God. Because it was there that God had revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Verse 9, God appeared to Jacob again after he returned from Paddan Aram, and he blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be named Jacob, but your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. Now, why is that significant? We have seen up to this point several moments where God has changed someone's name. And we actually see it happening also many other times in Scripture where God changes a name or when someone changes an individual's name, it means a significant moment in their life. Typically, specifically when God is changing a name, it usually means the ending of one chapter and the beginning of another. And it marks the changing of an identity. It's not so much that way in our time. We pick names because we think they're cool, right? People name their kids Apple or Numbers. I don't know. All sorts of weird things that people do. Fine. In Scripture, in the old days, in ancient times, names were given as markers of that person's destiny. Jacob was called Deceiver. That's his name, Deceiver. I mean, 
what do my parents think of me? Right? That's the point of, of Jacob's name because the prophecy was spoken already to his family that who Jacob was going to be. So his name was that. But now, this is so important. God speaks to Jacob and says, that time is done. You are no longer that person. You will not be known for this anymore. I have a legacy for you. I have something different for you now, and I'm changing your name. And that moment was significant because for him to have his name be changed, you couldn't change your name. It's not like right now, nowadays, where you can just go down to the courthouse and say, I would like to be called whatever. You couldn't do that. There was no way for you. It followed you every single day of your life. And no matter how good you were, no matter how strong you were, no matter how powerful, Whatever you did, they would always hear your name first. But God changed his name. And this is so important because Jacob had come a long way. A long way. He became a faithful and resolute patriarch after starting out as a manipulative, cunning, deceptive brat. And Jacob is now confirmed as the father of the nation of Israel. He had 12 sons, and each one of them were the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. All the way back from Adam and Eve, right? All the way back. Multiply. Bless the earth, right? Fruitful. Multiply. And we see Abraham. God starts with Abraham and says, and he says, I'm going to bless you, and your children will become fathers of many nations, right? And it says that he was credited to him as righteousness because he believed in what God said with just taking it at its face value. Because of one man's faith, we have now arrived to where one man was faithful to God, grew into faithfulness, had 12 children, and each of them were the birth of the nation of Israel. And God sees Jacob in this moment. He looked at Jacob and said, Jacob, you're known for a bunch of things. You're known for being manipulative. You're known for being deceptive. And I can imagine Jacob just going, how many days Jacob would sit out there in the desert going, when am I going to be able to get past this? When will I stop being known for what I did when I was 15? When will I be able to get past the fact that I'm not that guy anymore? I just labored for 14 years. Hard work, you know? I did it. When are people going to stop calling me deceiver? Stop poking fun. <laughs> Man, you could be so good, but you know what? You're always going to be a liar. When? Right? I could just imagine that. And God looks at them and says, that time is done, Jacob. I see you not for who you were, not even for who you are now. But I see you as who you can be, who I want you to be, who I've called you to be, who I've created you to be. And I believe that God is saying the same thing to us today, that God sees you not as you were. He doesn't see you as your failures or as your past or as your labels. He doesn't see you as what the world labels you as now. He doesn't look at you as a junior associate at your workplace. He doesn't look at you as a bankrupt individual. He doesn't look at you as a, as a uh, liar, as a guilt-ridden individual. He doesn't look at you as, as anything that, that people would try to hold you and lock you down into. You are not the sum of your bad decisions. That's not who you are. God looks at you and said, instead and looks at you and says, I look at you for who I see you becoming. And so that, I think, is probably... One of the most important things that we see is that God has given us a new name. The Bible says that when we come into Christ Jesus, when we begin a relationship with Jesus, that we are a new creation. In other words, you're given a new name. You are no longer called those things. Instead, you are called child of God. Instead, you are called loved. Instead, you are called forgiven. The Bible says that you are also free. 
These are words, adjectives that are described for the men and women of God. Powerful, conquerors, victorious, not weak, not, not small, not people who have no faith, not people who are constantly on the defensive. Like that's not what the Bible teaches. No, instead it says you are more than conquerors. You are righteous. You are clothed in majesty. You are, you are clothed in righteousness in Jesus Christ. That when he sees you, he sees you as pure and spotless. That's who you are. You're not a, an adulterer. You're not, a, you're not a, a violent person. You're not an angry person. You're not a, a person who's lustful or, or who is uh, held down by, you know, by lack of discipline. You are not a disabled, you know, handicapped person. You are not a person who can't think straight. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. These are not who you are. In Jesus Christ, you are free. You are strong. You are loved. You are a child of God. You are given mercy. You are seated with him in the heavenly realms. And we have to step outside of our past, just like Jacob did. He had, to, he had to hear God and take him at his word and say, I believe that you have called me to be a different person. I'm not going to be called by these things anymore. So the next time someone says to me, hey, Jacob, he's like, no, 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 that's not who I am. I'm not deceiver. I am Israel. I'm the father of nations, you know? And when God speaks to you and tells you all the things that you are, when someone comes to you and says, you're a loser. No, I'm not. I am not a loser. I'm a child of God. Like, I have the Almighty as mine on my side. I'm a conqueror. I'm victorious. The terror of God goes in front of me. So when I'm obedient to him and as I dedicate my life and walking in his ways, I know that every step I take is ordained by him and honored by him. And that he has like a force field around me, like a a tempest or a tornado that bashes things and blows them out of the way. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have to climb over hills. It doesn't mean that things aren't still going to come at me. But I know that I will never be shaken. I will never fall down. That I will never be alone. I know without a shadow of a doubt that my God is with me and will provide for me. That is the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. And it comes because of a name change. We are changed. We are different because of what Jesus Christ has done. And once we step out of our past labels and into our new identity with Christ, God will open up his plans to us and begin to bless us more than we've ever experienced. But it has to start with hearing. It starts with remembering who God is, stepping into that, taking that inventory, saying, you know what, I've got to change some things around. I've got to reprioritize, move the pieces around the board to make sure that I'm oriented properly to be able to walk on the road. Jacob's consistent dedication and obedience to God brought a reaffirmed promise all the way from Isaac, Abraham and Isaac to Jacob, and now his 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Here's check this out. Verse 11. Does this sound familiar? God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed an assembly of nations, will come from you and kings will descend from you. I will give to you the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, and I will give the land to your future descendants. This is literally the same promise that has been given over and over again to his family. And every step of the way, their faithfulness has pushed them further down the road. God's faithfulness is what carried them through the times when they were not faithful to him. And that's the hope for us, okay? Like some of us, I think, are in the room, myself included. I'm like, I cannot live up to this. I can't live up to this standard 
the overall portrait and picture that we see is not about your failures. It's that God is faithful regardless, and he's really just wanting us to participate, to move forward and to make him the priority in our life. Verse 13, then God withdrew from him at that place where he had spoken to him. And Jacob set up a marker at the place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker. He poured a drink offering on it and anointed it with oil. That's basically like, again, just I'm giving you something valuable of mine. I'm worshiping you. That's why we sing on Sunday mornings. That's why on our drive to work we put on worship music and we just say, God, you are good. Because when we do that, it's like saying, I'm thankful. I hear you. And I'm telling you that I am walking with you. Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. So two last points. What is it that we can get from all of this? Number one is this. Despite his early failures, Jacob's legacy is one of dedication, obedience, and realized blessing. Check out the order there, because I think it's significant. Jacob's legacy is one of dedication, obedience, and then realized blessing. Despite his early failures... Despite the manipulation, despite the, all the things that he went through, despite the bad choices, hear me, church, this is for you as well. Despite your early mistakes, despite your failures, despite your, all the things that should be held against you, despite those things, your legacy can be one of dedication, one of obedience, and then ultimately a realized blessing. Take note of God's faithfulness through the generations. See how God has been faithful. And so to cap it all off today, our big idea is this for us today. Remember the past. It's good to remember the past, but leave it there and step forward into God's promises. Remember the past. It's fine because I think that's important. God told Jacob, remember what I did for you. But that's not who you are anymore. You are not that person. You can't live there. Even if the past was wonderful. You can't rely on the one time you met with God and he spoke to you. If you're sitting here today and you're hanging on to the word that God gave you when you were 12, that probably means that you have not spent much time with God since then. Because I believe and I see throughout Scripture and I've seen in my own life and you talk to many people in this room that God is active. He is alive and he gives us fresh words and he's always encouraging us and he moves us beyond where we are. He is never happy just settling where we are. So if you need a word, if you need God to speak to you, get with him. Spend time with him. Remember the past, but leave it there and step forward into God's promises. Step forward into them. Would you stand with me? As our worship team comes back up, we're going to finish today with a couple practical thoughts, and then we're going to have one song together, and then we'll close with communion. Some practical thoughts, how we can begin to walk in this ourselves taking a picture out of a piece out of Jacob's story, we know that God's word is alive and it is active and is is a mirror to how we can learn from it and grow. So here's some things that I put together that I think will be helpful for us as we can move, move into this space. Number one, practice remembering. And that might be different for each of us. Some of us remember through songs. Some of us remember with pictures. Some of us can just take time and start remembering. You know, I'm going to just start taking a mental note of the things that God has done in my life. For some of us, it needs to be a journal. Write it down. For some of us, it's uh, sticky notes. I have sticky notes on my cubicle where I can look over and see passages of Scripture. Sometimes you'll see on my Instagram stories, I, I post songs and then have lyrics there because those lyrics are encouraging to me. And I want them to be encouraging to you. Those are just, again, remembering moments 
Let's practice remembering what God has done so that it fuels us for what God is going to do. Number two, do a spring cleaning in your life. Take an inventory, just like Jacob instructed his family to do. Look at your life. Maybe it's been a while. It's been 14 years, right? 14 long years. Jacob hears from God, and he looks back and goes, wow, where'd those foreign gods come from? Where'd those earrings come from? Change your clothes, whatever, right? Indicating that there were things that are there, things in our lives. Do a spring cleaning in your life. Number three, work towards consistency and practice faithfulness. This might be the most important one because this is where Jacob really became the man who God wanted him to be. It was really about him not just becoming, not being this person of, of just getting what he wanted and taking it and lack of discipline. Instead, it was the day in and day out working towards, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible on a regular basis. If I don't read my Bible once every three weeks, I'm going to try once a week. If you read your Bible once a week, try twice a week or three times a week. If you read it five days a week, try it six. If you've never listened to worship music, participated in worship outside of church, begin doing that on your regular basis. Our church has a Spotify account that has a playlist built for you. You can go to my playlist on Spotify, and I have several worship playlists for you. Aaron has plenty. These are things that you can begin to do in your regular life. Begin to practice consistency. Begin to practice faithfulness. Get a devotional guide on the YouVersion Bible app. Go to a Christian bookstore. Buy something on the internet. Hang out with friends who are Christians. Spend time at life group. Go to places and do things. Build priorities in your life that are going to begin to, to instill faithfulness, consistency. And you'll begin to see over time. You'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, my, look like, my life looks so different. It happens through consistency and faithfulness. And number four, meditate on who you are to God and his plan for your life. Just take some time to stop. Close your eyes. Get in a quiet place begin to think about what God has said about who you are. Maybe he'll even speak a fresh word to you in that moment. He'll speak directly into your circumstances. And think about it. Am I loved? Am I free? What does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be a child of God? How does that change the way I look at my life? How does it change the way that I, I see other people? How does it change the way I review my, my work situations, whatever. I'm conqueror. Victorious? What does it mean to be victorious at work? What does it mean to be victorious in my marriage with my kids? What does it mean to be a conqueror? Do you understand? Meditate on what God is saying about who you are to Him. Remember the past, but leave it there and step forward into God's promises. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jacob's legacy. We thank you that you took him from a man who was a conniving, manipulative person and made him into a father of nations. We thank you that he met with you. We thank you that he was willing to listen to you and that he painted a picture for what it looks like for us to hear from you, to meet with you, and to become who you've called us to be. I pray for every person in the room this morning that we would sense your presence with us. That we would sense your calling us to you, to know you, to have a relationship with you, to put you first in our lives, to take an inventory. God, help us to remember. Help us to remember right now if it's dark for anyone in the room, it's dark in their lives, 
and they are having trouble even seeing what's in front of them. They don't know what to do next. I pray that right now, God, you would, that you would flash in their memories times where you have been faithful to them, that you would remind them of who you are, the times that they thought they were about to be succumbed by the waves and you picked them up and you carried them. I pray that you would help them remember your words, scripture verses that will encourage them, cause them to remember, God, and create new habits in us that will create remembering moments. God, I pray for each of us that you would convict us. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, to convict us of sin, to convict us in our lives of, of places that where we don't measure up, things that are keeping us from you, maybe even good things, good things that are keeping us from you, from that next space. For some of us, there are places that God wants to take us, but we just can't live mediocre lives. He has to call us to excellent spaces. I don't know what that is, but God, for each of us, we give you permission to call them out and give us the bravery, the boldness, and the, the willingness to let you root it out, to prune us like a plant that needs to be cleaned out so that we can grow healthy. God, we just ask that you would help us to see what you're saying to us. Let us respond appropriately. Let us be more interested in who you're calling us to be rather than who we were. Let's walk in your new labels, in the new words for us, to see us as how you see ourselves. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. And if there's anyone today in the room who would like to begin a journey with Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was sent by God to the cross to give his life for us. And then it goes on to say that anyone who declares in the name of Jesus, that Jesus is Lord and believes that he is who he says he is, that he will be saved. That's all it takes to become a child of God, to become the loved one, the freed one, to become a new creation. It just takes a moment. And if anyone in the room today says, I want to know Jesus, I want to say yes to the forgiveness of my sin and my past. I want to be made clean. I don't want to be held down by what I was, and I want to now become new and walk in that new identity for the rest of my life, have a new destiny. I want to give you a chance to do that. I just want you to raise your hand and just say, that's me. Just raise your hand and I'll see it. And I want to pray for you. Praise you, God. If you're in a space right now where you make that decision and you say, I don't know, I'm ready to, 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 to make that move, but I don't want to make it a public thing. Listen, I'm going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray together. And then we have these Learn to Follow Jesus books out available for you at our uh, right as soon as you walk out of the chapel on the shelf in front of you. Pick one of those up. I encourage you to come talk to me. Even if you're new to your faith, you're trying to take a new step in your faith, come talk to me. I'm going to walk in this journey with you together. Let's all pray together to say yes to Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, let's say that out loud. Father, in Jesus' name, I say yes to Jesus. I say no to my old life. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your grace. I ask for your mercy. And I receive all of it. I believe who you are. I say yes to Jesus. Give me a new identity. Make me a child of God. I will walk with you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 
at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.